welcome to episode two in our prolapse podcast series. Today we're talking all about treatment and management options for prolapse. Enjoy! Hey mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio Laura. Hello mamas and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Episode two in our prolapse series today, we're chatting all about treatment options and management options for prolapse. That is obviously the the next progression in our series. If you haven't already, go back and check out episode one. That's all about exactly what a prolapse is. That is important to understand before we jump straight into treatment options because you need to actually wrap your head around what is going on with your anatomy, what is going on with down there so that you know how to manage it well. So please go check that out before you listen to today's episode. Now, today's episode, we are going to dive into my four main pillars of treatment. So we'll be covering pelvic floor exercises, general strength and conditioning, because yes, exercise in general is actually very important for prolapse. Some people think it's the last thing they should be doing. It's actually very important. We'll be talking about bowel management. There will be no constipation in my team. (laughs) And we'll also be talking about pessaries. I will briefly also chat about surgical options. So it's definitely worth a listen today if you are feeling lost as to how to manage your prolapse or what the next steps are and today's episode is going to be a good one for you now remember we also have five episodes in this series so upcoming we're still going to be talking about pregnancy and birth with a prolapse exercise with a prolapse and the emotional roller coaster that is having a prolapse and to make this prolapse series extra special we are going to be hearing from pregnancy posse members and hearing their unique experiences with prolapse and in today's episode you're going to hear specifically about what treatment worked for them so again it's one thing to hear it from me the professional but there's something really magical about hearing it from your sisters your friends your colleagues who are going through the same thing and what worked for them so I've compiled all of their stories together today it's going to be really special to hear that if you want to listen to this entire series all at once it is inside my pregnancy posse membership so you don't have to wait for them to be released it's all up there right now you can jump inside and watch them plus I've got that bonus video that I made all my wonderful members explaining visually exactly what a prolapse looks like with the anatomy the uterus the bowel and the bladder and how a pessary sits up inside the vagina so you can get a really good understanding of how it all works down there it can be a bit of a mystery to some of you and if you are pregnant right now and you have a prolapse and you're feeling like you know listening to me talk about how important exercise is is triggering for you because you think well that's great Laura but what do I do (laughs) I have pregnancy and prolapse friendly workouts for all my pregnant mamas inside the posse so I encourage you if you really want to keep yourself fit strong healthy well and manage your prolapse come and join me inside the pregnancy posse you can trial it for seven days it's thepregnancyposse.com i would love to chat to you inside there ask me all of your prolapse questions i certainly don't want you to feel alone because we know that it affects one in two women who have ever had a baby you are not alone there's so much that you can do mama so enjoy this episode all about treatment management and i hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are enjoy hello ladies (laughs) now Let's chat prolapse, but specifically, how do we fix, cure, treat, manage, improve a prolapse? So as I spoke about in the last episode, we now should have a really good understanding of what is a prolapse? 
what might I feel if I have a prolapse? And you might be thinking, yeah, that's all well and good, Laura, but what do I actually do if I have a prolapse? So I'm going to walk you through today, like the main pillars of treatment or management for a prolapse. But before I do that, the absolute best thing you can do is go and see a women's health physio. So I know that's not always possible for everyone, depending on where you're located or whatnot. Come and hit me up, come and find me at Physio Laura. Let's have a chat. If you need help finding someone in your area, if you don't know of a women's health physio, there are so many around the country, around the world now that we really should be able to hook you up with someone. So I, yeah, I don't want you to feel alone, but... If you're finding it hard to get in touch with someone or to find someone, I'm going to give you some really basic pillars to work on today that you can at least get a head start on when it comes to prolapse management. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the pelvic floor. Now, I touched on this briefly in the last episode. The pelvic floor is important because it is the base of that pelvic hammock. So it's like the support bra. It helps to lift and hold all your pelvic organs in. So it's a really key and important part of prolapse management. So while you're listening to this, while I've got your attention, I am going to do a quick pelvic floor round with you. Now, with the pelvic floor... I've done a whole series on this before. I want you to go find my pelvic floor podcast series. I've done an exact demo on how to do pelvic floor back then and the different types of pelvic floor, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not going to cover that today. I'm going to assume you know how to do your pelvic floor. But if you don't, go and check out those past podcast episodes. Pelvic floor, we're going to do a five second hold today. So sit where you are. Remember, it should be a secret. Don't grimace your face. Don't squeeze your butt cheeks. Don't suck your tummy in. Squeeze around the vagina. Now lift it up to level one and level two. Now hold it there. Keep breathing for one, two. Keep breathing. Three, tighten the vagina. Four, five, and release all the way back down again. So remember, it's just as important to relax as it is to contract. Let it all the way down. Let's do one more. Squeeze and lift. Hold for one, two, three, four, five, and let it all go. So I hope that when you were doing that, if there was someone sitting next to you, they could not tell what you're doing. That means you're doing it properly. But remember, regular pelvic floor exercises, yes, are an important part of prolapse management. So if you're not already, I generally prescribe three times a day as a good habit to get you in strong Kegels or strong pelvic floor exercise mode. Super important muscle to be working out. That's all I'm going to say about the pelvic floor. Like I said, if you need to know more about it, I have a previous podcast series on it. But my next point for another pillar of prolapse management is that pelvic floor is not the only muscle you need to be strengthening. So pelvic floor in isolation is nowhere near going to be enough to manage a prolapse. So what is really important as well is that you work on your general strength and conditioning. So it is there is no point having a strong pelvic floor if your glutes are not functioning, if you've got a terrible core, if your posture is terrible, if you know you're not using your biomechanics really really well when you're exercising or when you're walking, when you're picking up your toddler. So it is so so very important that you optimize your biomechanics that you have good general body strength because a pelvic floor a strong pelvic floor is not enough. You need the whole system to be working well. And I'll give you an example here. So if you are going to be, say, lifting up your toddler or maybe for work, you have to regularly bend and lift. If you bend down, and yes, you've got a good strong pelvic floor, let's assume you've ticked off that first pillar. But if you bend down and your glutes aren't very good and your core's not very good and your arms are pretty chicken as well, (laughs) 
then when you go to pick up the box or the toddler or whatever it is, that load is not going to be able to be taken by the arms and the core and the glutes because let's just say they're rubbish and they're not very strong. So then you're going to overload the pelvic floor and whether it's strong or not, there's so much pressure going through that area because you're not sharing the load with the other parts of your body because they're weak. So I like this concept of sharing the load. You need your whole body to be sharing the load when you're picking, pulling, lifting, squatting, bending, whatever it is. You need your whole body to be sharing the load because otherwise you're going to overload certain parts of your body. So if we want to manage a prolapse, well, we need to make sure our whole body is functioning well and is strong so that's why in the pregnancy posse workouts for those women who do have prolapse we're working on the glutes we're working on the posture working on the core and we're making sure that all the muscles in the body are strong it's not just about pelvic floor we're working on the whole system and that's such an important part of prolapse management so if you're just sitting at home smashing out kegels or pelvic floor exercises thinking that's the only way to get to the next level that's not the way okay so it is so important that you go and hook in with someone who can guide you through exercise therapy and rehab therapy because it's so important you start moving your body now again like I said at the start of this episode if you can't find someone local if you're struggling you're on a wait list or whatever it is generally speaking a good way to start working out you know at home exercising is anything that's low impact or doesn't aggravate your symptoms so some Generic examples of this are floor-based exercises for your glutes. So we're talking bridges, clams, side lie leg lifts. If you're a posse member, you'll know we do a lot of these in our workouts. They're very low impact, which is great for prolapses, but they're really good at focusing on the core. So that's a great compromise. A really nice balance to find that middleman. Bridges are fantastic. You might find that you can go for a walk and you're asymptomatic. That might be a good way to exercise. However, for some women, you might find that walking really aggravates your prolapse. So that's not going to be a good option for you getting in the pool might be great because it's low impact i love stationary cycling i think that's a really great way to work out your muscles improve that lower body strength but without overloading your prolapse so there's so many different ways to work out but the most important thing is that you practice good posture that you are exercising in some way shape or form so that the rest of your body is starting to develop strength I, again, a myth is that a lot of women think they just need to rest, 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 smash out their Kegels. Yes, that's important for like that unique resting window in the postpartum period, but we need to move our bodies at some stage. So if you're, I don't know, six months postpartum right now thinking, oh, I have a prolapse, so I can't exercise. No, that is not the case. It's just that you need to find the right exercises. So again, we need our whole system to be working. And I see such brilliant results in my clients when I start getting them into Pilates or whatever the form of exercise is and we start strengthening their glutes their core their arms their posture again in prolapse friendly or safe ways not all exercises are going to work well for your prolapse so you need to find that middle ground of keeping your body strong but not overloading your prolapse so again that's why i would work with a practitioner who knows what they're talking about who understands prolapses because you want your whole system to be strong that's going to make an enormous difference for how your prolapse is feeling so that's the second pillar first pillar pelvic floor second pillar general strengthening and conditioning so so important when it comes to prolapse management Now, the third pillar when it comes to prolapse management is making sure your bowels are working really, really well. So if you are constipated and therefore straining to open your bowels on the toilet, this is such a no-go zone for prolapse because you're adding extra weight and force and pressure to an already vulnerable stretched 
you know, pressured area and you do not want to be doing that. It doesn't matter how many good things you're doing. If you're then going to the toilet and straining till the cows come home, it is not going to improve your prolapse. It is potentially probably going to worsen your prolapse. So it's so important you get on top of your bowels. Now, what that means is your bowels, and yes, we're going to be talking about poo. This is my jam. (laughs) There's no taboo topics, but your poo should look like a slippery sausage. So it should be formed. You shouldn't be having diarrhea or really, really loose stools, but it should be slippery. So it should be formed like a sausage, but it should be slippery, which means it's easy to come out. It shouldn't be like little pellets that are really hard to get out. No, that should be a really easy form stool to pass. Now, if your stool is not a slippery sausage, you're going to have to make some sort of modification. So again, talk to a women's health physio or talk to a dietitian and work out what it is that you need to do to make sure your stools look like this. Generally speaking, there's the three Fs that do help with stools, which are fluid, fiber and fitness or movement. So making sure you're drinking enough fluid because that's really important for a slippery sausage. (laughs) If you're dehydrated, you're more likely to be constipated. Making sure you're having enough fiber too. I'm not going to go into the details of this because it's best to again talk to a dietitian or a women's health physio, but not enough fiber can make it troublesome, but too much fiber can also be a problem, particularly when not paired with fluid. So it's important that you get the ratio right. And then movement. So if we're sedentary, you are more prone to being constipated. So it's really important that we move our bodies and you know make sure our bowels are really, really healthy and we can go to the toilet well. So that's how to try and get the slippery sausage. However, when you get to the toilet, there's some really key things that you can do as well to help Get your bowels open, help get your poo out, but without straining on your prolapse. And particularly in the early days postpartum, this is really, really important when all your pelvic tissues are very vulnerable and you definitely want to make sure you're not straining. So you will have probably heard me talk about this before if you've been following me on Instagram or Facebook or inside my Pregnancy Bossy membership, but I talk a lot about moo to poo and having your feet on a stool. Now, what I mean by this is when you go to the toilet, If your knees are below your hips, your rectum is not in an ideal position to empty your bowels. So we want to have our knees higher than our hips. So you want to use a little footstool because most Western toilets are not designed to have your knees higher than your hips. Use a little footstool so that your knees are slightly higher than your hips because what that does is it actually straightens your rectum. So if there's something inside your rectum and you want to get it out, the best path to get it out is a straight path, true? However, when your knees are low, Your rectum is anatomically and naturally a bit kinked. However, if you're trying to get something around a kink, you're going to have to put a bit more effort into it. So that's why it's important to have your knees higher to straighten that rectum so whatever's inside your bowels can empty easier. So footstool, ladies, go out and get it right now. (laughs) Second thing, mutapoo. So this is when you're trying to encourage a bowel motion, but you don't want to load or over strain that area because of prolapse or whatever's going on with your pelvic floor mooing to poo can really help so it might be embarrassing you might be a bit hesitant your partner might think you've gone bonkers but if you make a gentle moo sound and let your belly expand while you're going to the toilet I guarantee you it will be so much easier for you to pass a bowel motion because it's helping to relax your tummy relax your pelvic floor and gently get that bowel motion happening without straining so some people will move silently so you you can't hear that Actually, I don't know why I did that. I'm on a microphone. <laughs> Some people will do it silently just to get the action happening and other people will make it 
loud. Moo to poo. Get onto it now because, like I said, you can be doing all the right things in the world, but if you're constipated or straining, your prolapse will not get better. So that's the third pillar is making sure you're managing your bowels well. The fourth pillar is talking about some sort of vaginal structural support. Now, this can come in the form of, for some women, a tampon, for other women, a menstrual cup, for most women, a vaginal support pessary. So let's say you've got a great pelvic floor, you're doing your exercises right and your pelvic floor strength is fantastic. You're doing the right exercises, your glutes are good, your core is good, your body is good, your posture is good, all of your muscular system is working really well, tick, you're doing that well. And let's say that your bowels are fine, you've got great motions, you're not constipated, you're not straining, but you're still getting prolapse symptoms. So you've ticked those three pillars off, but you're going, yeah, but every time I run, I still feel this heaviness or this bulge. The next step in that journey for you would be to look at some sort of vaginal support pessary. And I'm going to do a video on this for the Pregnancy Posse members. So make sure you go check that out if you want to see me demonstrate this. But a vaginal support pessary is essentially like a silicon-shaped device, often a ring, sometimes a cube, that sits inside the vagina. And imagine those descending or bulging walls I spoke about earlier. It's quite literally kind of popping them back, supporting them, opening the vagina up again, pushing the bulging walls backwards so that you don't feel the symptoms of heaviness, bulge, descent, whatever it is that you're experiencing. So a lot of women will wear these just for activities that aggravate them. Some women will wear them all the time. Um, but most women will wear them for activity. So they'll put them in for a run so they can go and run with that support against their vagina walls and they'll take it out when they finish their run. Now, um, the reason why it's the fourth pillar is because it's so important that you're doing all the other things in conjunction with the pessary. So if you did the pessary on its own, it's not going to be successful. If your pelvic floor isn't working, if your muscles aren't strong, if you're still straining on the toilet. So that's why I've done it in this order to show you the progression. But Long story short, vaginal support pessaries can be marvelous tools to help you on that prolapse journey, on getting back to the activities that you love doing, on returning to sport that you love. And they're really, really fantastic. So I would definitely recommend you go and talk to your women's health physio about them. A lot of women's health physios these days do fit them. So that's fantastic. If not, they will be able to refer you to a doctor or gynecologist or whoever to help you out with that. But they can be really, really fabulous tools. And that's why I wanted to mention them here in the podcast. Now, the next pillar that I wanted to talk about, and this is kind of not really a pillar that I'm involved in, but is certainly one I wanted to address is surgery. So for me, this is plan Z. <laughs> surgery, yes, can be wonderful for some women, but it is far down the line in my mind when it comes to managing a prolapse because there are so many conservative tools for you to address first. And I know a lot of women who first get diagnosed with a prolapse think that that means surgery is on the cards ASAP. So I want you to know it is so important for you to address all of the conservative measures first. Surgery is not a plan A, probably not even really a plan B. In my mind, it's a plan Z. So yes, it can work wonderfully for some women, particularly for those stage three, four, you know, quite serious prolapses. Surgery is a fantastic option. When we're talking about the more mild to moderate stage one and two prolapses, surgery needs to be really thoughtfully considered before jumping into. So you want to make sure you've ticked the pelvic floor box, you've ticked the exercise and conditioning and biomechanics box, you've ticked the bowel management box, you've ticked the pessary box, like you've gone through all the things 
and then you can consider surgery if everything has not worked thus far. What I think, again, it's not my area of expertise. I'm a physiotherapist. I'm not a surgeon, obviously. But what I think it's important to know when it comes to surgery, and I can't remember the exact stat off the top of my head, but there is a fairly high, high, <laughs> trying to combine two words there. There is a fairly high fail rate when it comes to surgery. And what I mean by that is the rate at which women will still continue with prolapse symptoms or still experience prolapse symptoms after surgery and the amount of women that will need to go back and have a subsequent surgery for prolapse. Now, I wish I could remember the exact sound. I'm sorry, I should have probably looked that up before I started that, but that's something to talk about with with your physio or with your surgeon, if that's the path you go down, but just to know that those rates are actually quite high. And that's why it's important to do all the conservative measures first, because surgery is not this fail safe, you know, absolutely works for everyone. You get a surgery and then you can boom, go back to life and everything's hunky dory. That's not the case. Like I said, the, the rates for women who still get symptoms afterwards are quite high. The rates for women who also need a subsequent surgery are quite high. Again, it can work brilliantly for some women and it will solve some women's problems. So I'm not saying it's a, you know, it doesn't work for women. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you need to work through all the conservative measures first because so much improvement, so much management can happen with those. Some other things to consider when it comes to surgery as well is, have you finished breastfeeding? Have you finished your family as well? And what sort of exercises or what are your goals? What do you want to be able to get back into? Because like I said, surgery is not the only outcome. It obviously comes with its own risks first. But again, you need to be able to address There is no point, for example, and this is something that really used to be a bee in my bonnet. When I would see a patient come in post-surgery and I didn't get the opportunity to see them pre-surgery, but I would get a patient come in post-surgery who still had constipation, who still didn't know how to exercise their pelvic floor properly, who still wasn't on a good exercise rehab program. And it used to drive me crazy because those women were set up to fail because all of these risk factors hadn't been addressed. They'd gone and had a surgery, which is fantastic. But their rates of failure for that surgery would have been through the roof because they were still constipated. They still didn't know how to strengthen that pelvic outlet. So surgery can be fantastic, but without those other measures, it's not going to work very well. So it's so important that you address all those pillars I spoke about earlier before you even consider surgery. So I just want to put that out there for those women who, again, get a prolapse diagnosis and think straight away that that equals having to have a surgery. It is not the case. In fact, it is the plan Z amongst all the other things that you need to address first. So I just wanted to say that. And the last thing I wanted to address when it comes to management plan, because I do get this question a lot, is whether or not stopping breastfeeding or changing your breastfeeding routine will help with prolapse. So I really want to talk about that here because I know a lot of women have this question. I get asked this question a lot. So the answer really is (laughs) annoyingly, yes, no, or maybe so. (laughs) you should not stop breastfeeding because of your prolapse because the reason breastfeeding is obviously very important and your prolapse should not be like your prolapse management should not be you know pivoted I guess on whether you're breastfeeding or whether you're not breastfeeding that is not an important enough factor to consider stop breastfeeding obviously if you want to stop breastfeeding for other reasons whatever that's your call but I'm saying if you want to stop breastfeeding purely because you want your prolapse to get better that that's not going to be enough of a factor to change things. What it is with breastfeeding, just so you understand why a lot of women may actually have an improvement in their prolapse symptoms once they finish breastfeeding, 
is because when you are breastfeeding, your body hormonally is kind of in this menopausal state. So you've lost a lot of estrogen after birth. You have a lot of estrogen during pregnancy and then it rapidly declines when you're breastfeeding after birth. And essentially it's like your body trying to tell you now is not a good time to make a baby. So everything gets really dry in the vaginal area. And what that is, because there's less estrogen, the vaginal area gets quite dry and sensitive. And so it means that if there's a bulge from the vaginal walls, you know, sitting a bit lower than it usually would because this area is a bit irritated. It's not as plump and, you know, full of blood supplies it used to be. It's a bit more irritated, it's a bit more sensitive. Your awareness of your prolapse may be heightened. So anatomically, your prolapse may stay the same whilst you're breastfeeding versus when you finish breastfeeding, but you may feel it a lot less because when you finish breastfeeding, those tissues um, I guess rejuvenate a little bit when the estrogen goes back up and so you don't feel it as much. So to summarize, breastfeeding can cause dryness and sensitivity in the vagina which means that you may be hyper aware of your prolapse, especially if it's coming close to the um, like the first third of the vagina, so that first entrance way. If the, the bulge is coming down near there, you might be hyper aware of it because of the sensitivity whilst you're breastfeeding. And so when you finish breastfeeding, that bulge may still be in the same position, but you may be far less aware of it because the sensitivity of your tissues is reduced. So I hope that makes sense. Again, that is absolutely why you should not stop breastfeeding because of a prolapse, because anatomically things probably won't change too much. It's more that the sensitivity of the tissues will change. So it's important that you do all the other factors first. But I just wanted to explain the, the link between breastfeeding and prolapse because I know that as a question I get asked a lot. So to recap, the main pillars of management, always see a women's health physio, do your pelvic floor exercises. Make sure your whole body is strong and conditioned. You've got good posture and good biomechanics. Manage your bowels well. So make sure you've got slippery sausages and that you are not constipated or straining on the toilet. Have a chat with your women's health physio about pessary management so that you've got some sort of vaginal support in place, some sort of external vaginal support. And plan Z for some women may be surgery. So I hope that helps to summarize. I'm having like a little panic attack now because I'm hoping I haven't forgotten anything. <laughs> if I have, I will make sure I do a follow-up episode. But they are the main things that you need to know about when it comes to prolapse management. And the good news is there's so much of that that you can do within your control that you can influence. It's not like everything is pushed out into the this external thing that you have no control over. There's so much that you can do to improve your symptoms conservatively as well. So I hope that gives you some hope and it gives you some positivity and I will see you soon. I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Okay, mamas, in a quick second, I am going to cut to pregnancy posse members sharing their stories about what treatment has worked best for them so far. And I think this is so uplifting and so inspiring to hear from women who have been through this journey of prolapse, who are now not on the other side necessarily, but who have worked through treatment tools and been able to see the effect that these treatments have had on their prolapses. And I think it's so inspiring, so positive, and it's so uplifting to hear from these women who have been through this journey. So again, I'm so grateful to these women for sharing their stories with us. Please enjoy this next compilation of these women's stories. And again, so much gratitude for these women for sharing so vulnerably and so honestly with us. So enjoy. 
essentially I did Kegel exercises for a very, very long time. Three lots of Kegel exercises, three sets of Kegel exercises every single day. So the set would be squeezing in, counting to 10, 10 lots of those, and then 10 sharp squeezes. And then that would be it. That would be one set. And I would do three of those breakfast, like, you know, morning, lunchtime, dinner, whatever times a day, but three lots of those a day. But my physio would condone me to try and do it standing up, sitting down, laying down, because essentially, you know, depending on what position you're in, it, it the muscles would then work in different ways. And that strengthened my muscle over time. And that's essentially how I learned to live with it. And over time, it did get better. The best thing I did was I went and seen my midwife and she gave me a list of things to start doing as far as diet and rest and all those things and then she referred me to a physio who I spent six months with that physio and did very gradual progression of pelvic floor and core strengthening exercises and that was my most valuable tool definitely a physio. Uh, the best thing for me has been a pessary. I tried a couple of other options with my physio and they just didn't work for me, I think, because during my birth, I also had a forceps delivery. So the muscle has been torn off the pelvic bone. So not much else really works just because I can't engage that muscle. So a pessary has worked amazingly for me. Still can't run as such. I can do a little jog, can't run. But, you know, that's a huge improvement to without a pessary main thing that's helped is just doing the exercises that the physio gave me it really gives me that bit of extra confidence you know when I'm exercising that everything's being held held where it should be the best thing that helped me was my women's health physio she was incredible the information she gave me the way she made me feel about the whole process she helped me to work out ways that we could manage the situation easily without adding too much stress or pressure into my day you know just by telling me things like to do certain exercises when I'm in the car or every time I pick up the baby so that rather than me having to add in something else to think about in my day it became almost reflexive because I started doing it in small doses throughout the day that before I knew it, I was practicing more than ever. And those kind of tips made a huge difference to me. But it was just really about the way she communicated with me and, yeah, made it not feel so daunting. In terms of tools, um, I did use a pessary and that was amazing for me. I think I had it for the first six months almost continuously, only taking it out every now and then just to kind of manage and hold everything in the right position while I was building up my strength and muscles again. And, yeah, that that really suited me and I didn't know it was there. So it was something that gave me peace of mind and some form of normality while we're working through all this. I've been working with a women's health physio on my pelvic floor strengthening, which has been really great. Uh, it's I've had a lot of success so far um, to the point that I can't actually feel the prolapse anymore. My pelvic floor strength is still not amazing, but the actual prolapse itself has you know, gone back up to where it should be. After I started seeing a pelvic floor physio, we pretty much straight away, she suggested that I start wearing a pessary 
just to reduce or alleviate my symptoms, I guess. So that was a pretty, it felt at the time, invasive treatment option, but I guess is considered one of the less invasive treatment options. And from there was also doing, uh, so Kegels, which is obviously a big one, and Pilates once or twice a week. I was immediately referred by my GP to a pelvic floor specialist physio, which was amazing. So from the first appointment, we got a baseline of where I was at, and then she sent me away with uh, easy and practical strength training exercises to do. And as I slowly built up my strength over time, I would go back and uh, increase the exercises or change the exercises and work them into my daily life. And the results have been amazing. So from in May this year when it happened to September when I had one of my most recent appointments, I could only hold an exercise for less than three seconds in May. I can now easily hold an exercise for longer than 10 seconds and do multiple uh, exercises, which is fantastic. And I don't have any of my uh, symptoms I had earlier in the year either. So all of the uh, bulging tissue that was there has gone, which is fantastic. And I don't feel weak in that area anymore, which is really positive. There's been a few treatments as such that have helped me along my journey. Initially, obviously seeing a pelvic floor physio who spoke to me a lot about safe exercises would be because that was my main concern was, was I ever going to be able to exercise again? That was really helpful. And then I started doing Pilates through the physio. And she also put me in touch with a personal trainer who was all over the pelvic floor dysfunction and, you know, called her to, you know, really talk in detail about my diagnosis. Now I have a pessary, which has been a game changer. 100%, I recommend everyone, every woman, should see a pelvic floor physio. And I think she didn't be non-negotiable from, from the NHS. I really think that... Um, you know, your six-week checkup needs to be with a pelvic floor physio. I worked with my friend, the pelvic floor physio, and we worked on um, obviously my pelvic floor exercises. And I saw her on a regular interval, so every two weeks, every four weeks, and she examined me to see how I was doing, and just gave me the confidence that actually, you know, this isn't permanent. You are correcting it; it will get better. And then. After, I think, about a few months, it started to go. I hadn't noticed it as much. And then I slowly returned back to CrossFit. And I was CrossFitting right up until 39 weeks of pregnancy with my second. So it shows that, you know, it can be resolved and you can manage it and you can live with it. My physio recommended the use of a pessary. And I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but I felt a bit like it was the end of the world wearing a pessary initially, but what that really allowed me to do is get back to some of the things that I love doing, like walking and Pilates and other exercise much sooner than I otherwise would have been able to. And the other thing is I, I wore that quite consistently, and but over time I actually have been able to wean myself off of that to the point that I no longer need to wear it. 
I went to pelvic floor PT fairly early on, eight weeks postpartum, and I would say that has been extremely helpful. I was only able to have two visits just based on the improvements I had in my symptoms, but overall that has been a world of a difference, just making sure that I'm, in my case, doing Kegels properly and along with other exercises to get my strength up. And also, I just think that I really have tried to have a positive mindset regarding my prolapse, and that's made a world of a difference too. For me, after seeing a women's physio, I was prescribed a personalized, I guess, Kegel program, so yeah, pelvic floor training. I find that that has helped me a lot. I perform it three times per day and I'm slowly increasing the whole times. The biggest thing for me is not only have I got the prolapse, but I actually have a tight pelvic floor. <laughs> Technically, I'm very good at holding, but my pelvic floor becomes very fatigued over time because it's not very great at switching off. So I guess for this, it does involve a little bit of yoga and Pilates, a bit of stretching as well, a lot of breathing exercises. Not many people realize that breathing does actually help relax muscles. So at the moment, yeah, I've been doing that for probably over a year by the time I actually got to see a women's physio. So I'm yeah, still completing all my exercises every day. It's meant to be up to three times a day. So it's a balance of trying to figure out where to actually incorporate it into my day. I've resumed exercise or probably left it a bit late, but after a year is when I really got back into yoga and Pilates. And now I'm doing a bit of bike riding. So very low impact exercise. Although I have been told that I can do a bit more, I just really want to avoid that heaviness feeling which can come on from too much standing and walking. My physio has been an absolute godsend. She's a women's health physio who I saw postpartum at six weeks. And after the initial assessment, she recommended a pessary ring to wear full-time for six weeks. And that was com also combined with some specific pelvic floor exercises for me. After that six weeks, I've still seen her and then another assessment, we just used it for when I was doing activity like running or slow runs and, and walking. She even added in some skipping. And now what's it six nine months postpartum I can now go running without it uh, without the pessary but if I feel like I need more support I can wear it as well hey mamas I really hope that you love that episode all about treatment options and what you can do and I hope it's made you now feel empowered and confident and knowledgeable and that you can go and do something today that will actually have a positive effect on managing your prolapse. So I hope it wasn't scary because I know sometimes the, the tipping scales can go either way. I hope it felt empowering for you. And a reminder that inside the Pregnancy Posse, we cover four pillars that I spoke about. So we do pelvic floor exercises. We do this general strength and conditioning and body work that is prolapse friendly. And we also do bowel management inside the Posse. So if you're feeling like you do need a little bit of support, guidance, encouragement, um, you want me to hold your hand through pregnancy if you've got a prolapse and you're not sure what to do, please don't be sitting on your couch feeling alone not doing anything I want you to move your body I want you to feel strong come and join me inside the posse that's thepregnancyposse.com you can trial it for seven days and make sure you subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast because we have three more episodes coming up in this series which I know you're going to love next episode episode three we're going to be talking 
all about pregnancy and birth with a prolapse. And we're going to be hearing from Posse members about how they navigated another pregnancy with a prolapse and how they navigated birthing a baby with a prolapse. And I know this is a hot topic for a lot of women. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of these episodes being released. And as always, I would love to hear from you on my socials at Physio Laura and let me know If you have a prolapse, I'd love to hear what treatment has worked best for you so far, or just let me know what resonated most with you from this podcast. Or if you feel inclined, like I said in the last episode, please, I'd so love for you to send me a photo of where you are right now listening to this podcast. It makes it feel so much more real for me to see where you are in the world listening to this. So if you felt inclined to do that, I would so love to see that. Anyway, mamas, I am looking, as always, it's where my desk is set up. I'm looking at a glorious ocean view. I feel so lucky to live where I live. I hope wherever you are, you've got a view of nature in some way, shape or form. Oh, it is soothing for my soul. But anyhow, I will let you back to it. Episode three is coming out soon. Make sure you subscribe and I'll catch you soon, mamas. Bye.